Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, this is Paul Edwards, and welcome to Tuesday Topics. While our topic is audio description, uh, everyone will be glad that it is not my intent to provide nor to allow to be provided any audio description of myself. Now, I have guests who might be much more inclined to provide audio descriptions of themselves, but they are both celebrities. They have recently started a new podcast, and they have worked on audio description for a number of years and I think can get us to a better understanding of what the current state of audio description is, its goods, its bads, and its uglies. So first, let me welcome Carl Richardson, who is co-chair of the ADP project of the American Council of the Blind. Welcome, Carl. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And I also want to welcome Mr. Brian Charlson, who has been active on audio description since God was in diapers. Mr. Brian, how are you? Uh, Totally prepared to change a diaper. That's a good man. Um, So audio description is our topic. And I guess we can start with one of the more recent developments, which is a thing called Picture This. Who would like to begin and tell us what picture this might be? I would say, pass that to Carl. It was his brainchild. Mr. Carl. So picture this is going to be a podcast about audio description and accessible entertainment. Um, we're, We're shooting to do an episode about every two weeks, and we will be interviewing people who create it, who make it, uh, you know, doing demos of, of maybe some of the audio descriptions that's out there. So we just started. We've only done um, three episodes so far. We, one where you get to know the host, one where we interviewed Dr. Snyder, and then the third one that we just posted was on streaming services. And our next one, which we just finished and will be up any day now, will be where we interview Will Shell from the FCC, and he talks about what's available for audio description on broadcasting cable television. But we're going to go well beyond media, which is what we've done so far. We're going to do theater when that opens up again. We're going to do museums and when that opens up again. So the reason why we've been focusing on media is because people are home right now and we can get them excited about it and watching it. But when things open up, we hope to expand to all areas about anything and everything audio description. And um, we have um, an email address that you can get in touch with us if you want to make suggestions or ask questions, and that's picturethis.audiodescription at gmail.com. And we also have a phone number, which is 857-302-2817. Again, that's 857-302-2817. And Mr. Brian, how would people find this podcast on their 
on their podcast carrier. Okay, so it doesn't really matter which method you use, that is, which uh, podcaster you might use, whether it's on iOS or whatever. If you go into any of the search engines associated with podcasts and put in picture this and the name Brian Charlson or Carl Richardson or both, you'll show up with this. There are other podcasts that have some variation of the picture this name, but you'll get just to ours if you include not only picture this, but also Carl Richardson. Well, you guys do well on the search engines, at least for the stream, because I think you came up second um, on, on a list of 26. And there were, and there were 12, I think, that, that were actually called Picture This. So, yeah. so you know, when congratulations you... <laughs> on choosing a popular title. <laughs> well, the intent was not to pick a popular title. The intent was to pick something that described in a very few words, in this case, two words, uh, what one might say when trying to describe something to a friend. Picture this, two people standing in a field, flying a kite, whatever. So that's where the title came from. Uh, did a little bit of a search on it originally to see if it was being used for anything associated with what we intended to use it for. And uh, in fact, none of them were. They were all about photography of one kind or another. So we stand out in terms of the idea that ours is all about audio. And the quality of the podcast is just excellent. I, I, I was very impressed with all three episodes, and I hope that other folks who are listening will actually go out there and take a look at all three episodes, which uh, particularly the third one, the newest one, is a really good primer on the current state of audio description because it goes through all of the streaming services that are out there, which is, uh, which is really kind of handy. So, you know, audio there's so many. Go ahead. Paul. Go ahead, Brian. I was going yep. to say that audio description in its early days, many of the things that we want and get audio described didn't even exist. Um, the streaming services you just mentioned is a case in point. Audio description has been around for quite some time. And even in the imaginations of the people involved with it then, I don't think they could have seen where it's all gone to at this point. Yep. Carl, what are some of the things that the audio description project is working hardest on now? So one one thing that Kim is Kim Charlson Brian's wife is working on as co chair of the audio description project is creating a certification process for the writers and the uh, people involved in audio description so that when vendors hire people, they know they will get a minimum standard of quality. And that's still probably going to be a year or two off, but we're working on creating a certification process where writers and, and editors and people involved in the process will have to take a test, and if they pass the test, they will then get the certification, and vendors will know that, when they hire them, they have a certain amount of knowledge and expertise. Um, <clears throat> in the media side, it's it been a challenge. It, it, everything's changing drastically from 
cord cutting and new streaming services launching almost what seems like on a daily basis, and yet the CVAA, the Communication Video and Accessibility Act, does not cover streaming, yet ironically, streaming is what's doing the most of it in terms of unique streaming services like Disney and Netflix, but streaming services that carry the ones that are already required, like NBC and CBS, like let's say I order Sling TV, they don't pass through the audio description. So that's been a challenge to convince streaming services that to also pass through the AD. Um, movie theaters are closed, and so you've lost an extent the chain of custody, if you will, going from movie theater to video to streaming services. So some of the titles that would have been in the theater are now being released on streaming services without the audio description. And the last thing that I think is one of the biggest challenges is I would like to see, much like the World Blind Union did AmeriCast Treaty for books um, and audio recordings and things like that and print materials, so that they could be shared. I'd like to see there be something similar for audio description in two ways. One, because like England does a lot more audio description than the United States does. So there'd be a lot of titles that we could access that are American-made movies or TV shows that are audio described over there, but not here. And I would also like to see no matter where the show goes, the audio description, whether it be a film or a TV show, the audio description file goes with it, and often that gets lost. So it's very frustrating to watch something that you know has been audio described on another format, but you can't watch it when it's on whatever platform you're watching it on now. So those are just, there are many challenges, but those are just some of the challenges. Brian, do you want to add any? I think the, the biggest issue for us in general is the rapidity of change when it comes to the technologies that provide us with video content. So for me, there are ways that the super techie can get access to things that the average person would be hard-pressed to get access to. We mentioned this idea that there's a lot of audio description uh, that we could be consuming, but that is available only uh, outside of our country. Great Britain being the, the biggest example of that. Well, if you're a high techie, you could invoke a VPN and find a way. In fact, there are services that are specifically designed so that individuals who uh, subscribe to a particular VPN service can act, get access to things that are available in Europe but not available in the United States. So there are ways to do those kinds of things. We're not only interested in whether or not such things are accessible but whether or not they're usable. So I expect that we're going to be needing to do a refresh of the CVAA. Agreed. It clearly does not cover everything that has happened, though its original intent was for it to be kind of an evergreen law that would automatically embrace whatever new technologies came down the pike. Not so, apparently. Not so in terms of uh, what we've been seeing up to this point. So one of the one of the streaming services that's gotten the most attention when it's launched was HBO and HBO Max. Um, 
but I, I, I haven't seen any audio description on either of those services. Would you guys like to comment on that? I'm going to let Brian take that one. Yeah, isn't he a nice guy? So <laughs> let's, let's back up to what Carl said earlier. It's really interesting that the streaming services are voluntarily providing audio description in a way that the broadcast system has certain requirements of doing so. Streaming services are not currently required under the CVAA or any other law to, be audio, to pass through audio description or in fact to be accessible at all. With that understanding, there are a couple of ways that we've been able to succeed at getting audio description there. One has been simply by having good relations with the companies that are producing the uh, streaming services. We know, for example, that Peacock, when open, uh, what, about a week ago or so, Carl? When uh, it opened been, up nationally about a week ago. About a week ago. Uh, does not have audio description, in spite of the fact that it's a property of Comcast. And, and Peacock is essentially an extension of NBC, yes? Correct. Correct. But they're, but they're going to. We have it on authority. They will be very. Right. So yeah. in this particular case, it was a timing because of COVID, the resources that they had originally scheduled to make it so that it would launch with audio description were simply not available to them at the time. But we've been told that it's likely to become available by about September 1. Then there are those entities that ACB and its affiliates have entered into structured negotiation with. That would be Netflix and Hulu. In both of those cases, uh, Netflix was anxious to do the right thing as they saw it, so as not to reduce the size of their uh, customer base and put audio description in uh, with a multi-year process for continuously increasing the number of uh, options you have for audio description and to be aggressive at seeking out audio description files when they know that they're available on a different platform. They've done an excellent job of that. Then with Hulu, they signed a much similar agreement, but they've struggled to live up to their commitments. So we're having to monitor that much more closely uh, and are working with Hulu on a weekly basis to try to get them in a position where they can actually do what the written agreement said they would do. Now I'm going to get back to what you were saying, uh, Paul, and that is, so, what about HBO Max? <laughs> yeah, I was wondering when you were going to get there, Brian. Yeah. Well, you have to understand the other part. You don't start with the thick end of the fish, gentlemen. You swallow a fish from the thin end. So, Not me. I go for the meaty part every time. <laughs> you learn something so, every day, Brian. There we go. So, now we have, now we have HBO. HBO has been around for a long time. As Carl will tell you, things have changed corporate hands from now from time to time and it's hard to uh, really engage 
many of these companies because they're in the process of being merged or divided or whatever. So we, that is ACB and my state affiliate, the Bay State Council of the Blind here in Massachusetts, approached HBO utilizing the same legal team as we used with Netflix and with Hulu to strike a similar understanding with them. And we have the draft in both parties' hands. The last two or three items are being worked out. We started this whole process way before the launch, like six months before the launch. Um, and uh, we must have gone through at least 10 iterations of the agreement. I will assure you that there will be an agreement signed within the very next few weeks and that HBO Max and the companies that own it will have a signed legal agreement that says that they will be producing any and all originals with audio description, any and all uh, efforts to broadcast stuff that's already described, we're talking movies now, and on-demand content, that they will include in the negotiation for the license to do that, the subject of audio description files. We'll, we will get there. We are not there currently. I can't wait to see if Sex in the City is audio described. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> that um, a number of different series gets, gets audio described. I'm one of those people who did, um, who did the, the major VPN stuff um, un, until a year, and a year and a, or a year and a half ago when it got difficult to do for a variety of reasons having to do with the way that the British changed um, the, the way they were making stuff available. And um, so, so I've, I have really enjoyed the Game of Thrones audio described. It's really pretty cool. Um, and, you know, one of the things that's difficult in these negotiations, Paul, is, is you will find it easier to get companies to agree to do all future projects with audio description you will find it very difficult to get them to go back and retrofit content. So a large part of our negotiation has been quantity. That is, right. how many hours of content will they make available by what date? And to some degree, how they're going to go about selecting that content. We actually have a very nice uh, write-up of a process that companies could use in deciding those kinds of things. However, uh, most companies are more interested in uh, something that is simply numbers rather than something that forces them by an attribute. Like uh, we wanted any movie that was nominated for an Academy Award to be higher priority than some B-level movie uh, that's right. not up for any awards. They were very, very against that approach. So interesting. They doubled oh. the number of hours they were willing to do rather than take that approach. Interesting. So let's change direction a little bit. When audio descriptions started out, what what most of us became used to um, 
was a combination of the movie and the audio description uh, essentially on a, what amounted to a single track. And that's what we get on television as well. We get the soundtrack and we get the audio description and the, and, and the two of them are together. Um, now, in, in movie theaters, um, probably over the last two years, I've noticed it, um, we, we've, we've had a different approach. That is, we've, we've had the soundtrack playing through the speakers, and in the headphones that you get, all you get is the audio description. Um, and that, that seems to be uh, a, a direction that certainly movie theaters have adopted pr pretty much wholesale. Um, but there has, there has recently been uh, another kind of audio description that's, that's come on to the market. And let's talk about it for a minute. And I guess there are actually two or three people that have done it, but I'm thinking in terms of spectrum access. Carl, would you like to tell us a little about that? Sure. So Spectrum Access is an app that Charter Communications, uh, I think they're one of the larger cable communications company put out. And it's actually, for those who remember ActiveView, which was an app, what they did is they bought ActiveView and then um, act, the problem ActiveView had was getting library content, but because it was right. done by one individual who right. was a, a uh, genius, a young kid who could just create an app. So Charter Communications bought it. And it, what it allows you to do and it's currently only for TV, but my understanding is when, when theater comes out, movies open up again, they're going to do it for that too. What it allows you to do is they currently have 500 titles within the app, and you play a DVD, a streaming service, a broadcast, whatever, on your television, and then you launch the title on your app on the phone, and it'll think to the, and it'll play a combined track to both the audio description and the uh, soundtrack within the app. Well, actually, I think there are some of both. There are some just plain audio description tracks, too. Okay. The ones I've tried so far have had, they've been married. Um, but, the, but, 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 so that, so that's a, another unusual approach that's being taken um, with audio description, or at least I, I find it unusual because it means that you really have to put two things together. Right. You, you have to you have to find some other device to run your movie on, um, and then and then run um, Spectrum Access uh, it, on on your iPhone um, to get the audio description. Well, right. It has I mean, its pluses and its minuses, though, Paul. One of the pluses is. You can be virtually anywhere in a hotel room watching that movie or at your mother-in-law's home while the rest of the family are arguing about something. And with just your smartphone, be able to watch standard television without modifying mother-in-law's TV and get audio yep. description of content. That no, kind it's, it's of... A it's a pretty, it's a pretty a neat idea. Huge payoff. Yeah. yeah. Now, what do you think the minus is? To me, the minus is sound mixing. Yeah. Um, and the other minus, quite honestly, is when you go to a movie theater, you don't have to be an, a smartphone owner to watch a movie with audio description. They 
have the headsets there, they pass them to you, and you return them when the movie's over. If they pass you the right one, of course. Well, there's there's all those human issues well, associated with it, certainly. But but the difference is that this system requires you own part of the solution, as opposed but I guess, to so, the so system itself. So let me itself. ask a question. Be- because of the, well, I don't I don't know, and and I may be. I may be letting my experience operate. There are, there are two theaters with audio description that are relatively close to me. One I've had pretty good luck with virtually all the time. The other one is definitely a hit or a miss exercise. And about half the time, I'm sitting in a place where the audio description doesn't work. So my question is, do we think that the, the approach that Spectrum Access takes um, might, might actually be adopted by theaters? Well... I don't think they can legally be adopted by theater because right. of the ADA. The ADA states that you can't require people to have specialized equipment and that you have to provide the equipment. Fair to enough. That. So I don't, I don't think, I think movie theaters would like it if the owners if were they done, could. You know, yes. but, but legally, I, I mean, the, the <clears throat> audio description and the caption and the happened in, in the movie theater it's actually not part of the CVA. It's actually part of DOJ guidelines, which means it's tied to the ADA. So for the time being, movie theaters will still be required. Now, does it mean the television broadcasters won't want to? I don't know. Um, I, I still prefer, because I subscribe to just about every streaming service known to man, although I have the Spectrum app, I still prefer to tune into the streaming service or the broadcast television and get the audio description that way rather than whip out my phone and think it and do all that. I mean, I guess the benefit would be is if you lived in a mixed family, meaning those who do like audio description and those who can't stand it, maybe you can listen to your own thing but also enjoy the movie with your family member. I'm very yeah. fortunate in that my wife doesn't mind the audio description, so we watch it together. Yeah. The yeah, open my, my family has gotten used to it now. So yeah, uh, so yeah, it, it it took them a while. That there were some grumblings the first couple of times, but now but, now they just sort of take it. But going back to the movie theaters, uh, I actually found a movie theater not too long before COVID nineteen shut down all the movie theaters, where they actually married both the sound and the audio description and the primary track into the headphones. Oh. So I think oh, how it depends. cool is that? It would, for a person who's hard of hearing and struggling to hear two different tracks from two different places, it was amazing. So, yeah, yeah. So, I, so, I actually prefer that. I, 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 don't, I don't like just getting audio description through my headphone because it well, means I'm, I'm right. losing some of both. Right. I think it's a matter of when the technology was bought. And also, the, the, uh, Rick, who's also on this call, found a theater where they could put one in one ear and one in the other. So I think it's a matter of the equipment being used and the newer equipment can do a lot more things because it's all simply the movies now are sent as packet to the movie theater. They download them now. They don't even right. They they download them now. The the real canisters coming to the theaters are gone. Then and then a few years ago they were doing hard drive being you know UPS to them and they just swap out the hard drive. Now they don't do that. They're all everything downloaded, and the audio descriptions are, are part of what they call a packet. It's simply a file, so they can do whatever they want. They can open it, 
you know, do open audio description within the theater. They can marry it within the track to the headphone. It's just a matter of how new the equipment is and the expertise of the people you're dealing with. So we've, we've talked about uh, a couple of ways of providing audio description, but one of the arguments that folks have used is that the current approaches to audio description require uh, that, we, that we hire folks uh, to write scripts and then we hire voice folks to voice them. And what they say is for a lot of lower budget things uh, like, like meetings or like things that companies do or like other stuff like that, um, it's just not appropriate to spend the kind of money it would cost to do audio description. And one of the proposals that's been put out there is that instead of doing that, what we actually do is we, is we use what, are, what, what amount to markered um, scripts and insert in the areas where audio description would go a text-to-speech voice that actually reads the stuff. Do you guys have thoughts about that? Brian, do you mind if I take this one quickly and then you, I'll let you... You okay. go first, go first. All right. So there is a company, Brian and I both live in the Boston area, and there is a company called 3Play Media that does audio description as a service, and that's how they do it. They do it through text-to-speech. But Boston is full of a lot of higher-ed institutions, you know, MIT, Harvard, Boston University, Boston College. So they have, they do quite a bit of quote caption and some audio description, so for higher ed. So I think in certain places like industrial videos, corporate videos, training videos, higher ed, I do think there's a place for tech to speak. But I will tell you, I do not want to see it when I'm sitting down after a long day watching and I want to watch a TV show or a movie. I listen to tech to speech as those of us on this call do all day long, right? Composing email, book share. I mean, the, I want to be entertained. And I don't think at this point in time, text-to-speech can do inflections and, and, and be appropriate for certain themes during. So uh, personally, I think it does have a place in some places, but I don't want to see it in entertainment. But for those who listen to one of the ADP sessions, I think it was on the Friday session with Joel Snyder. He had someone from Amazon. It's coming because they insinuated that their goal is to audio describe their whole 250,000 title catalog. Well, you can't describe 250,000 titles unless A, you make it cheaper, and B, quicker. And so they, I'm assuming, he didn't come out and say it, but I'm assuming they're talking about text-to-speech. Brian, do you want to add anything? A couple of things to that. One is... Uh, I've been around in technology long enough to have used the Votrax speech synthesizer, which I said kind of sounded like listening to a drowning Russian. And because it was all that was available, I learned to hear it, learned to use it, was grateful that such a thing even existed. Then, you know, things like deck talk and other things came out that sounded a great deal more human. So I'm expecting the quality of synthetic speech to go up dramatically in the next very few years. That being the case, I'm not going to say it will never be appropriate, but I will say with the current state of the art, I would like, as I feel about talking books, 
I much prefer listening to a talking book read by a human narrator than by synthetic speech, though it is one of those things where in that particular case, it's more a matter of how soon you can get your hands on it as opposed to what it costs. I also like to suggest that the cost is probably part of it that it's not a human voice, but it's also how the script is written and timed. So there's a lot more to the to the full cost of doing audio description than just the voice. Yeah, I think you're right. So let's let's focus on another aspect of audio description uh, for a second, um, and that's audio description in theaters, because you guys actually got some fan mail. Um, there is a lady in Worcester, Massachusetts. I can't I can't actually remember her name. I'm thinking her last name might be Davis, so I don't know if you know her. Um, but, Sharon Lotka Davis. Yeah, but what, what she's asking is, do you think there's any likelihood um, that audio description could be applied to virtual theater? She says there's an upcoming virtual theater production, and the question is, um, is, is it likely um, that... that there is a way that audio description could be provided in that kind of environment? The answer is already been done. In fact, um, the New Zealand broadcasting system broadcast yes. a couple of ballets and yes. audio description was provided for those events virtually. And the entire world was in a position to listen in and view that ballet with audio description. Now, if you were a local, they had an opportunity for individuals to attend a pre-show activity where they learned terms used to describe ballet. And if you're lucky enough to know things like plie and, and the like, then you would understand the description better than just going at a cold turkey. But nonetheless, technically speaking, that's how they did it. It was, but uh, that, would, that would open audio description mean that's what everybody heard. And I'm wondering if she's, you know, if, the, if this is the only time the theater is going to show that production, they may, want, may not want to do it open, meaning that everybody hears it. And I have not yet heard of other than like say Netflix through a streaming service on the web. I don't know of, of, of any major theatrical place doing it where you can turn it on and off. Do you know what I mean? So I would imagine that all they would really need to do though, Carl, is simply broadcast it <coughs> open on one channel and without audio description on the other. Right. And I haven't and heard it's of all that. a matter of, of who you, how and who you do it with. Yeah. I haven't heard of that happening yet, though. Got to be a first no, time. Now, would, would live theater productions normally, if they're virtual, normally provide captioning? They, would live theater, if they were virtual? I, no, no. he's asking me if they play caption for the deaf and hard of hearing. Ah. Right. Um, I, I, I don't know the answer to that, but here's the difference. And, and I don't either. It's, here's the, it, so here's the, here's you know, the I'm not holding though. your feet to the fire. 
No, I know. Because I don't. I, yeah. I don't. I no longer have enough. Until recently, I would have had enough vision to. But here's the difference: many of the players that they use to show these things have the ability to turn on and off captions, where they have yes. not. Like I can do that on YouTube. I can turn on and off subtitles, right? Okay. I I can't do that with audio description yet. So that is potentially. You asked me earlier what one of the challenges was, and I think that's a challenge too. As technology evolves. Can we open a media player and turn on and off audio description if it's there? Well, I I watch audio. Excuse me. I watch a lot of YouTube video, and if I go into voiceover and choose to turn on or off my choice of having audio description, whenever I come across content with audio description, I hear it. The same uh -huh. person who plays that same video who hasn't turned that option on wouldn't hear it. Wait, YouTube? Yep. You're talking about general YouTube has audio description? Yes. There are, there are some, some things on YouTube that sure do. Okay. There, there are actually whole movies that have been put up on YouTube with audio description. Right, but, but it's 1.7, right? Well, yeah, it's a setting, though, that's in your local device. Okay. Sure, it's a, it's it's in your iPhone. You can you no, can turn under audio description on off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's under the accessibility things within Outspoken. So if that that woman wants to get in touch with the audio description project and let us know what she's thinking of, we could certainly reach out to I somebody. Sent, I sent Brian her email, so so Brian, yes. perhaps you can reach out to her. Yes, and they have uh, an excellent program there in Worcester. Uh, where they're, they have been very happy to provide during live performances at least one performance with audio description. Um, so I'd be surprised if they wouldn't be willing to work with us to make it happen virtually. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, so we we really haven't touched on it, but the truth is that audio description isn't only uh, isn't only available on media, but it's available in live theater. It's available in national park services, in museums, and a whole range of other things where where it's beginning to revolutionize the way that blind people explore the world. Yes? Absolutely. And you were talking about the different technologies that allow us to have access to audio description in a movie theater. The same kind of issues happen within live theater we're still issued a headset with a receiver and it depends kind of where you are in the theater and what yeah. means of broadcast equipment they have in the theater a couple of cases in point was i saw uh, a play where there was a lot of fancy lighting strobes and such whatnot and boy did that raise havoc with the audio <laughs> description i also saw um what was it? Wicked uh, on Broadway. And there they had a pre-recorded audio description synced with not the dialogue, well, listening to what was happening, but rather the light cues would tell them which part of the audio to broadcast at a given moment. So there are a lot of interesting things going on in that regard. And um, that didn't work well or did it? It worked fine, but there are always going to be glitches. Live theater is called live for a reason. I remember seeing a performance of Phantom of the Opera, 
and there's a scene there where they're having a masquerade ball. And this one character is supposed to be walking alongside this this uh, stuffed elephant on wheels going through the party. And uh, he's supposed to pull out his sword and brandish it. Well, he reached for his sword, and it wasn't there. <laughs> and so the audience erupted in laughter for that. And all the blind people um, were left wondering what was so funny because the audio describer had written a script without that piece of information in it. Um, and, and, and didn't choose to ad-lib. Even well, though yeah, was in a situation where ad-libbing from a script, all you got to do is look down for a moment to see the script and look back up and wonder what didn't fit the script. Also saw another one where a character came in in a drama and tossed the key on the dining room table and walked away. And the another character was supposed to pick it up and head out. Well, unfortunately, when he dropped it on the table, it slid off the edge of the table, down onto the floor and under the couch. So it kind of changed what was happening on stage for us. So live has the opportunity, at least live description, to deal with that. But what it loses, it means that each and every time a play is audio described, you have to have an audio describer. Um, And it also means that when you go from stage to stage, the play is modified to fit the stage that is being performed on. Right. So you can write a script all you want and say, let's just have it travel with the show, but the show gets modified. Much the yeah. same kind of problem Carl was talking about when we have audio-described movie, and then that, odd, that movie that we know is audio-described in the theater isn't on our CD, or when it plays on television, isn't audio described then? Well, the timing has been modified to fit the format. Or they are not the all the same or exact timing. Not only the timing, you could, when I worked in the movie, I used, many years ago when I had, I used to work in the actual production of film and television in Hollywood, and they were often, if we had, say, a sex scene or a scene with swearing, we would shoot two different versions because we would hope that someday that film would make it to television or on an airline uh, where they show it on the right. on demand. Little so screens. we yep. would have to shoot a clean version. Well, when they audio describe it for theatrical release, they don't necessarily do the clean version, so it changes and modifies. It, the th- yep. Now, one other thing about audio, descri- audio description in live theater. My favorite kind of live theater is the musical. Now, those who have watched an audio described musical on television know there's very little time to do description without talking over the music. So which did you come for? The storyline description of costuming or to hear the music. So there are There's all been a kinds lot of, of debate over, calls. over the, the, the Hamilton exactly. that, uh, that Disney plus just put out with yeah. regard to that. Yeah. Very little um, description because you are trying not to step on what is virtually a nonstop oratory. Yes. So the very first entity in this country uh, to provide audio description was public television, yes? That's broadcast, yeah. For broadcast, yeah. correct. For broadcast, right. Now, 
that was probably in what the mid 1980s maybe um uh, mid to late no. 80s i would say yeah. the early 90s actually all right so early 90s i'm fine with that 30 years later um it is still virtually impossible at least for me to find out what is being audio described on public television what would you guys suggest well i don't have an answer for you i have a uh, an explanation of why they find it difficult keep in mind that unlike broadcast television commercial broadcast television where all of the networks uh stations are supposed to be airing the same thing at the same time that is not the case for public broadcasting stations they get a a slate of things they could broadcast and they can use it in whatever time slot they choose to use so creating some form of clear way of indicating uh at 7 p.m. there's going to be a audio described uh episode of some show is a much harder thing to put into any kind of schedule now no it doesn't excuse it in my opinion public television is not obliged to provide audio description is that right that's correct at the time the tvaa was was created public television was doing quite a bit of it so they decided to exempt them what's ironic is i think the number of audio to body of description has actually gone down and it is more difficult to find now and it it i think what what Brian said was one of the main reasons it's also I, I, and i want to be careful here i i think they're just not as committed as they used to be because they can easily just post on a pbs website these are the national shows we know that are audio described and the local affiliate if they audio describe their shows could post on their website these are the shows we audio describe but i i'll tell you as 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 co-chair of the audio description project I, i'm going to be honest here we've reached out to pbs many times and we we're not getting direct answers so the only thing i would say is the consumers need to reach out to, to both their local affiliates and pbs down in um pbs headquarters and let them know it's important for cuz we're willing to post it on the audio description project website and and stuff like that but they're just not being consistent about their listings i agree with you yeah in case in case there are folks who um who are still living in the middle ages uh why don't you tell them where they can find uh, the the ACB's uh, audio description website so the audio description project audio description project website is acb.org/adp for audio description project and, and um, it is absolutely the top source for all things audio description at, at this point and i expect it's going to remain so and you can for most of the network nbc abc cbs you know history uh home and garden discovery all those that are required under the cva you can find out what they're they're playing you can um we have accurate listings for netflix disney plus prime video apple tv plus and a number of others if you want to find out what on on each streaming service there's a list in there and then you'll find occasional articles 
an initiative that the audio description project is working on? So the last question that I'll ask you both of you, and then we're going to open it up, Rick, is what do you guys see as the chief challenge facing audio description now? Supply and demand. Supply and demand is always going to be the issue. People need to not only ask those who aren't doing audio description to do so, but also tell those who are doing it how much we appreciate it. Uh, you know, you really, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? So that needs to, to be done for us to advance things. The whole uh, issue of supply and demand, you know, Joel and ACB have been doing a lot of training of individuals on how to do this kind of thing. Now that COVID has forced a lot of people who are voice artists to perform in home studios, they're going to have to be their own business managers to some degree. And I hope that with the certification process that we'll see a lot more people in a position to do audio description and therefore keep up with the demand. I'd hate for a lack of supply of audio describers to be the reason that Amazon uses um, synthetic speech instead of human speech. Right. Right? Yeah. Well, um, I, I see it as, so as people are staying home, and I think what COVID has done is sped up industries that were starting to have challenges already. Things have been sped up. So, like, not that movie theaters were necessarily dying, but but they weren't going the way they used to before COVID-19. COVID-19 has yeah. So as a result, they're going to try to make viewing experience in the home, in terms of media, more like a theatrical experience. So, for instance, all the many of the streaming services do Dolby Atmos. Are we getting the same experience without your description? Apple TV Plus does Dolby Atmos, but to my knowledge, they are the only one so far. Are they going to go into virtual reality? I think so. I think you're going to start seeing movie and TV shows go into virtual reality someday. Will audio description carry over? So I just I see it more of it of it from a technological um, as as the TV viewing experience changes. Will it? Will audio description keep up? And then there are some things on the horizon, like Comcast, I know, is working on um, audio description with Bluetooth so that um, if you are watching it with a family member, much like we were discussing with Spectrum, and you had a phone that could tune into a particular Bluetooth, you could hear a different stream than your family member is hearing, even though it's streaming from the same device. Um, Interesting. You know, so, so there are things on the horizon that potentially are coming down the road. Um, another thing I see, you see a lot of people doing, because of COVID-19, watch parties. Can I do a yes. watch party with you? I don't know. I haven't tried it yet, but I would like to be able to do a watch party with you and watch something without your description. And yeah, how do we communicate while we're doing the watch party? Can we chat? Can we do things that other sighted individuals are able to do. So it's more, I just see it more, will audio description keep up with the pace of the viewing? Uh, right, and, and, and the range of technologies that are, that are making such a, 
such a host of new approaches possible with the use of TV and, and movies. Right. Yep. Mr. Rick. Yeah, hi, Paul. Can you pass me some popcorn, by the way? You <laughs> some popcorn, don't you guys? No, no, no. I, I loaned Rick the popcorn machine during the ACB convention, hauled it to his house, gave you how many different kinds of popcorn? Uh, at least four. At yeah, least four great. different kinds it of popcorn. Including so, yeah. Cheetos popcorn, by the way. Cheetos popcorn. Hot Cheetos popcorn. Hot Cheetos popcorn. Uh, yeah, that was that actually sounds oh. disgusting, guys. <laughs> it sounds good to me. <laughs> but I actually did, before this show started, made Whirly. I have a Whirly Pop, Whirly Pop popcorn maker, and I made a batch of popcorn before it started. Yeah, see, I, I knew I could smell popcorn, but anyways, we got Terry. Terry Pacheco. Hi, Terry. Mr. Hello. Mr. Terry. Hello, everyone. Hey there, Terry. Hi. Um, it's kind of more of a comment that I wanted to bring up when, we, when you were talking about spectrum access. About f almost five years ago, I sat uh, in a lovely meeting, in a meeting one afternoon with the former FCC chairman, Tom Wheeler, and Stevie Wonder. The three of us had about a 45-minute conversation on audio description. And the one thing that I remember from that conversation that Stevie Wonder pointed out was he would like to see us be able to go into a hotel room, turn on the TV movie, and in some way or another get an audio get audio description of the movie that's on that TV. And that's what Spectrum Access seems to do. Yeah. My yeah. point on this is, wouldn't that be a wonderful PR piece if we could reach out to someone like Stevie Wonder to help push audio description in that regard? It's exactly what he was looking for at that time. And I think, yeah. it's, I think it's one of the things, one area we'll... Hopefully we we could make some get some a lot of good PR out of it. Um, I think it's something that would be very important to ACB. Back in I, I want to say roughly 2005, we uh, Terry Hartman Squire and I worked to get um, Alexa stop. Ray. Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. My my echo started telling me my timer was done. Yeah, the popcorn's um, ready. <laughs> but you get the uh, home DVD version of Ray Audio Described. The movie had been described, but the home version came out without it. At that time, Universal Studios gave us a letter in writing that from that time on, any movies that had audio description, they would automatically put on the, on the uh, home entertainment uh, DVDs. Unfortunately... The administration at the time had no interest in pushing forward on it. But that letter still does exist, I believe. And we had a very good relationship with United Studios on that. And I think that that's something else that perhaps we could, ACB could be pushing forward on at this point in time. And Thanks, one other thing about, and one last yes. comment on... Uh, live audio description, I have to tell you a very brief, quick story. When we went to see Miss Saigon with, Brian was there, Brian was the, the funniest one of everyone on this, 
We went to see Miss Saigon many years ago, and we brought our 13-year-old niece with us. Brian had told the describer, let's do this up really good. We want the dirty side. And she explained um, that there was one, one of, in one of the scenes, there was a woman grabbing one of the servicemen by the crotch. Frank, my husband, got so panicked that we had our 13-year-old with us, he wanted to leave the theater for fear of what was coming up. Oh, no. <laughs> it really was funny. And what was really funny was Katie didn't even notice that because it was like in the back corner, uh, you know, of like 60 people on stage. Exactly. Yeah. Brian knew how to get, and Brian always knew how to get um, the most out of an audio, descript- audio description. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Boy, do I have a um, reputation, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and with that, I'll say good night to all of you. Good night, Dr. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. Mr. Rick. Yeah, we got Debbie Grubb. Debbie Hi, guys. Grubb. Hello, everybody. Hi. I just wanted to say a couple things. Um, the, uh, before COVID came, I went with friends to see 1917. Um, I, love, I love history. And... I was so grateful for audio description because as a blind person, most of the movie would have been, you would, you would have left because you would have had a single idea. And I remember um, we, had the, uh, we had the earphones and the receiver and I took someone with me who is losing her vision and I introduced her for the first time to audio description with that thing because she could no longer see the screen well and when it started I said give me your earphone I took my dog ran out of the theater because I learned if you can hear the movie soundtrack through the earphone the thing isn't working so the little right. geek did his magic and we got back in there and and it was just a wonderful experience and the other thing I wanted to say with the unity project I really learned, I think, as much as a blind person can learn the beauty of a picture. You know, they talk about a man standing by a stream, but I learned about how the light plays and the expression and the movement of his clothes and, you know, how the light dances on the water. And I just think that people who, who for whom audio description is not all that important, I think they should really give it a try because it truly is a mind-opening, heart-opening, spiritual eye-opening description. And Mr. Edwards, I hope at some point when the museums and the theaters reopen that you will have a Tuesday Topics devoted to that because I think there's some things we need to discuss about not only bringing um, description to theaters, but bringing our people to theaters. So I will leave that for another time, but I, I just, audio description is a wonderful thing and we should honor it and talk about it and watch it and watch it in front of our families so that they get to see what it means because it truly is a wonderful thing. And kudos to ACB and kudos to the ADP project and to the website and the whole thing. It, it truly is wonderful. And in all this time of sadness and heartbreak and everything. It's wonderful to talk about something that is so universally wonderful and enlightening. Thank you so much. Before we go so on to Debbie, that, uh, yeah. tell us about your, this project. I was just going to do that. Yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Debbie. Carl. 
No, well, Debbie can if she knows about it. No, 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 no go for it. He got, he's got his tongue over his eye tooth, um, Carl. He really wants you to do uh, it. So the Unity Project is something that the National Park Service is working on with, with um, a professor out of Hawaii, and it's an app you can download on your iPhone, and it's where they describe uh, – now, you would use text-to-speech, but where they describe parts of the park and, and um, brochures and things like that from the National Park Service, and it's in the app. So if you go to a National Park Service, you can, you can open up the app and listen to a written description of what you're looking at. Right. So it, it basically, it was a great way. Remember, I was talking about supply and demand of audio describers, and we're all concerned to keep the price down when we can. So the best kind of descriptions are by subject experts. You really don't want somebody who's never been to the Grand Canyon to try to describe the Grand Canyon National Park brochure. They wouldn't know what some of the things were and what was significant about them in order to include that in how they wrote up the description. So we created this project, and now we have brochures from about what what did they say carl around 200 i, I don't know point? but i i know it's about to grow and in fact it's going to be a a descriptathon in august where we're going to ask certain members of the community to work with park rangers to describe even more parks in august and it it's certainly growing i also wanted to mention debbie mentioned a movie i think it was 1917 and I just recently saw that, and I recognized the voice that was described by our, or narrators, I should say. There's a difference between a describer and a narrator. The describer is usually the writer. The narrator was Roy Samuelson, who many of you may have heard, and who's a friend of the Audio Description Project and the American Council of the Blind. Our so, banquet speaker at the convention this year. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. correct. Because Debbie brought up museums, I want to throw in a couple of quickie things. One is I have visited more museums from my living room during COVID than I did in the previous two years live. I got to go to the Poster Museum. Uh, I can't remember which city in New York it was from, but it was spectacular. Got to visit the uh, museum on board a major uh, warship, U.S. The Intrepid. The Intrepid. Um, got to go to three different exhibits at the Boston Museum of Fine Arts, all audio described and pretty spectacular. And again, those who attended the ACB convention could have attended any number of audio described tours of places like the, um, the Wright Brothers Museum and the White House, et cetera, et cetera. So there's some great and, stuff and out there. A bunch there of for those people. are up as podcasts now. Correct. Under, under ACB-convention. I downloaded about 20 of them today. <laughs> Mr. Rick. Yeah, I just got a couple of comments I'd like to add myself, sure. Mr. Edwards. Yes, uh, sir. As you're known by. <laughs> um, I, I think Brian's heard me say this before. Uh, I'm not sure audio description has to be only for blind people. Agreed. Um, I mean, one of, one of the problems we have in the blindness community is, of course, arguing the size of, you know, how big we are to be able to argue the business value of somebody doing something. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, my mom, who 
is now in advanced stages of dementia, but when she was early, you know, when she was slipping into it, she could benefit greatly by something like audio description because she was having a hard time processing stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I, I, I would just submit that, you know, it, 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 you know, we always talk about allies within the area of disability. I think this is an area where I think we ought to seek allies and make that audience bigger because then you have a more powerful argument when you go to the people that are developing audio description. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got, plus, I've, plus I've got this concept, and, and I've said this to Carl several times in the past, and I would love to do this. I, I would love to get a theater that would do, and this is a challenge that I'll put out to the ADP project. I'd love to have a physical theater put on an audio description festival where well, all cool the movies idea. are openly described, but the audience doesn't necessarily know that it's going to be audio described. You know, a lot of the sighted people coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you, know, I, you know, we always talk about how sighted people may find this to be kind of intrusive. I, I, I don't think so in many Some cases. I do, though. I agree with you. But I couldn't agree with Rick Moore on the, I think this would be audio description would work great for those with hidden or intellectual disabilities. I think it would work for those who are on the spectrum and sometimes have trouble interpreting maybe facial expressions and things like that. Um, I, 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 I couldn't agree with Rick Moore. And there is a company called Bridge Multimedia who does, produces quite a bit of audio description for children's programming and some for primetime. And they've actually written some white papers on the benefits of audio description for audiences yeah. larger. That, that was Matt Kaplowitz right. who, who, who got our award right. uh, during convention. So. Yeah, so, so I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I, 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 I also think... One more thing, and then go, I'm go ahead, Carl. I just recently got an email um, from a woman who had photosensitivity, like uh, her, her eyesight's normal, but if she watches like strobing lights on a video, it causes her migraine. So she turned, she turned off the picture and listened to audio description, and she's got 20 20 vision and no intellectual or she just has um, intense migraines where there are times where she can't watch the video. And there's another example of someone who uses the audio description yep. almost as an audio book, if you will. 3689, um, At the beginning, there was a website and a phone number given. Can that be given out again, please, if you don't mind? So I think we're oh, talking, are we talking about picture this? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. All right, so the email address was, and let Brian, Brian, I didn't mean to cut you off. If, no, uh, I said go for it, Carl. You're, okay. you're the man with the, with the PSA. Okay, so the email address was picturethis.audiodescription at gmail.com. Again, that's picturethis.audiodescription at gmail.com. And then the phone number was 857-302-8000. Two eight one seven. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And they're looking for suggestions, so send them in. Ibrahim. Hey, Brian. Uh, Carl, great presentation. Um, I want to go back. I want to go back a little to the part about screaming 
services. And I'm wondering, uh, I did have a problem with Hulu recently, and I did call the support and did not get any uh, solutions. So I'm just wondering if there's any uh, suggestions of maybe having a contact at Hulu or, uh, you know, how, how to uh, resolve all the description problems with Hulu when they're not working. Two things to keep in mind in all of this. One is that we have the same problem with broadcasting services. Uh, you know, if you are a person who's deaf, there is, by regulation, requirement that this station have a designated person who's supposed to handle any questions or problems with captioning. The same is not true for audio description. But if you contact the person who's responsible for uh, captioning, they're the ones most likely to have any information or be able to talk to the right person to resolve your problem about audio description. When we get to streaming services, we, uh, in our structured negotiations with Hulu uh, and with Netflix, um, made a requirement that their help desk be educated about audio description. Now, if that person's been educated, but that person hasn't heard anything about that for six months, which is highly likely, then when they get that call, they're likely not to have very useful information. So it's one of those situations, again, where they get educated when they get brought on board for customer support, but they forget pretty darn quick. So we're trying to get them to incorporate that kind of information in their... Um, what do they call those things uh, in their information script. database? Their script. Standard right, operating procedure. Yep, exactly. Yep. So they don't have to know it. They just be able to retrieve but Brian, it. But Brian, how can he do, but how can he, how can he resolve these issues now? Again, you've already reached out to Hulu by way of email, I assume. I actually called them and got a person to speak with them, unfortunately, they were not educated, I think, as you mentioned. But uh, I think the next time you mentioned that to call and ask for um, the captioning person, audio captioning. Exactly. So that's Cap really, a, not, not audio captioning, it's video captioning, but I think it's a great idea. Yeah, it's, it's the person who's likely to know how to uh, talk to the right person in the right place to, to resolve your problem. Okay, also, because it, it, when it people was a say that they're going to resolve your problem, yeah. You've got a responsibility, that is, get that individual's name mm -hmm. and how to contact that individual directly so okay. that you don't get a random different person the next time you call, which is highly likely, right? Yes. It only helps if you educate this person and come back to the same person. Otherwise, you spend all of your time educating people with the very beginning bones of things. Okay. There is supposed to be on the Hulu website. And I would, I would look at the Audio Description Project website to see if there's a link to it. There is supposed to be on the Hulu website. Uh, actually, Carl, I, I went to the website first, and uh, I was looking actually at the show that you guys mentioned on there that said Audio Description. So when I went to the app and enabled it, I was just kind no, of stumped. But there is supposed to be on the Hulu website an accessibility yes. page. And okay. They should be on that accessibility page of contact. That was part of the structured yeah. negotiation. So they should be okay. a, a way to get in touch with them via email. 
Okay. And, and if you do that on the accessibility page, what you should essentially say is I, I contacted someone and they weren't able to solve my problem. So can you please get back in touch with me? And, and that will go to somebody who at least knows that disability exists. Okay. And uh, Carl, can you spell your last name for me? I can find the podcast for you. Uh, Richardson, R-I-T-H-A-R-D-S-O-N. Okay. Thank you, guys. You do, you're doing an awesome job, both of you. Cool. Thank you, sir. Mr. Rick? Beth, you're next. Hey, everybody. Uh, really, really interesting information here. I was tonight listening to AT Banter, which is a podcast originating from Canada. They were saying, and I didn't take notes, but if I understood correctly, 100% of all TV shows and that includes news, movie, sports, everything, must be captioned. And I was just wondering, what percentage of TV shows are described in the U.S., and what percentage of TV shows are captioned? I believe in Canada, primetime shows have to be described. That's right. So I can answer that a little bit. As far as broadcast and cable... 100% 100% of shows have to be captioned under the FCC rules for captioning. Um, with regard to audio description, the four broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC, and the five top cable-rated networks, which I always grew up with the top-rated networks are, but I believe they're TBS, Turner Broadcast System, uh, Home Garden Television, Discovery. History. What was that? History. Okay, history. And I can't remember the fifth one, so forgive me. But they are required to do 87 and a half hours a quarter, which comes out to about seven hours a week. And that can be a combination of primetime television and children's programming um, in the morning and the weekend. So that, that that's what they're required to do. So it's a drop in the bucket. It, it's nothing like in England. In England, I think they're required to do 20% of all programming. Uh, Canada, like you mentioned, uh, I think all of their prime time. So we have a long way to go. And that's <clears throat> where one of the other challenges that we didn't mention earlier when, when um, you asked me about what are the challenges. We need to rewrite the CVAA <coughs> to increase because they're only going to do to increase the amount of audio description because those who are required to do it by mandate are only going to do what they're minimally required to do. And, and essentially that works out to about 1% of the television programming that's, that's, uh, that's out there at the moment. So there's some um, other so kind clearly of it's not enough. In that as well, Carl mentioned uh, prime time and children's programming. A percentage of that time has to be in those two categories. Right. Also, uh, a rerun counts as one of those hours the first time something is rerun. So it may have been audio described in this one hour program, and then it's shown a second time. So that's a second hour. But if it's shown a third time, it no longer counts. And anything that you have broadcast uh, with audio description, if you rebroadcast it, it must be passed through the audio description, but you don't get to count it. 
right? But there's um, there 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 is UFA is the last network. <laughs> yes, and it's yeah. it is exempt yeah. from this because that's why I remember USA agreed to do a certain number of hours, if you will, uh, significantly more hours total, but because so much of theirs is rerun over and over and over again stuff, um, they felt they were at a very big disadvantage. Because they actually do about a thousand hours of audio description a quarter because they do nothing but rerun Law and Order. Well, right well, now, it, it, Gilligan's it, Island, it, you know, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so th there's no control in terms of what the networks decide to audio describe, um, Correct. though. And, and, and so one of the interesting things that, for me anyway, over COVID was that Fox ended up describing a quiz program which, which provided virtually no benefit in terms of audio description. It really didn't. Was that um, So You Want to Be a Millionaire? Oh, no. Oh, uh, it, yes. It, that was it had to... It was it well no, but I I don't know if they did that one, but no, this was um, this was this was one where folks were in chairs and they were they were facing various challenges, um, question challenges, um, and they were whirled around the studio. It was it was quite fun. I actually watched it for several Thursdays, but the audio description was useless. Mister <laughs> Jeff in Minneapolis, please. Yeah. Um, hi. I have a few comments. Um, when I did subscribe to Hulu, the only way I could get a listing of their audio-described content was to actually go on their website and browse uh, for that category on their website. One of the complaints we have with Hulu is that's in violation of our structured negotiation. Okay. They, they told me it's because Apple will not allow that to be in the Apple application. Oh, I don't think so. I, I do not believe that they're, that that's accurate. Sounds to me like a cop out. But we should we should tell you that that you can get a pretty complete description of everything that's available on Hulu from the ADP website. Exactly. Yeah, I, I guess you know my issue is uh, when I'm trying to find something to watch now. The last thing I want to do is crank up my computer and go to a website and hunt. And again, we, when we talk to yeah, when we talk to people, um, working out these negotiations, part of it is the player, right? If you go to Netflix and try to find audio described content, how do you do it? There's a category. Well, there's a category, and it's way at the far end of categories. It's not in alphabetical order among categories. It's way at the end uh, of the list of categories. So if you're using your remote to get to that category, uh, you're going to get carpal tunnel to get there. Um, but that's just one example. There, again, we always talk about the difference between accessibility and usability. You can make something accessible. We can have audio-described content. We can have players that are accessible, but we need players that are accessible and easily usable with no more effort than a sighted person has to put into the same activity. And so that, when we work the out the one with, with uh, HBO yep. Max, we're saying you're so new that you need to not only 
have a category, but you should be able to say audio described uh, mysteries, not just yep. audio described anything, <laughs> audio described mysteries. Yeah, I, 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 I think that one of the things that um, one of the things that that amazes me uh, is the degree to which um, every streaming service is different in terms of how easy or how hard it is both to to find what's audio described and then to make it play. Um, so it, it is a constant learning curve. And, and you're right, Brian. Uh, we, we really need to work on more usability and, 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 and less concentration on pure accessibility. Especially if you're somebody like Carl and you've got uh, the time and money to uh, have several streaming services going, and each one of them does things differently. Yep. Uh, for example, Carl, what's the hassle with CBS uh, live all access. All, access. all access what's the hassle with that one for audio description you got to turn it on every <coughs> single time it doesn't stay no on when you go back each time yep. you watch something you've got to go through the turn on audio description process yep <coughs> next. who's next uh, we've got Janine next hey guys hey there Janine hey. I love listening to you guys. I just want to say hearing all about the audio description stuff makes me so happy. Um, my boyfriend is all about it, and he found your website, which was great. So I want to go back to live theater a little bit. So I want to know, okay, so I used to work for the Orlando Fringe. Um, so that's a live theater festival. There's also one in Edinburgh, Winnipeg. They're all over. Austin. Um, I know in Canada that they provide um, visual aids, they interpreters, as well as they're working on the auditory. But how how best would the live theater thing work? Do you think getting someone in a booth and having them work the auditory boxes? I call them the auditory boxes, like that I use when I go to AMC or Regal. Um, would that be the best way, or because you know? Most people going to live theater don't want an audio descriptive. Because, um, you know, if we went yeah. to Hamilton, the sighted people would be like, would be okay, very annoyed be quiet. With <laughs> exactly. They would be, I, I wouldn't be annoyed. I'd be all for it. But, you know. Well, again, we do it in live theater the same way that you do it in the movie theater. That is, everybody's issued a headset who needs one where the audio description comes in. Most theaters set up in the back of the very back of the theater a soundproof <laughs> booth. The describer uh, is in that booth. They have watched the show two or three times during rehearsals, etc., and have written up a rough script, keeping in mind that things will be live and sometimes live things don't turn out exactly the way the script said. And uh, mm -hmm. then they simply speak it aloud between uh, activities on stage. And it works out uh, pretty well. There have been a couple of times in my experience where they had to go to a different method. Part of it was because uh, the particular show was so popular, they didn't want to give up the three seats in the back of the theater where the booth wouldn't normally go. And they put that person <laughs> with a monitor 
uh, with a camera, a couple of camera feeds of what was happening in the theater, which worked really fine until some of the action began to happen in the audience. You've been to plays where they right. actually use right. the aisle or interact with the, with the members. Like you're in town. Yeah, exactly. So, so what so, they do is you, they give you a transmitter. I mean, the audio describer will speak into a, a microphone with transmit to a receiver. So yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah. it's the same idea, but again, there the most effective way that we've seen so far is with an audio booth in the back of the theater with a describer who's seen multiple performances and has had an opportunity to write a script to go along with the process. Yeah. Having somebody can some, ad-lib it is a, is a much different kettle of fish. There are some theaters where, where the audio de describer actually gets to sit in the front. Um, and where the map. Those are, yeah, those are rarer. But, but I think the other part of your question, and, and, and let's respond to it a little bit, is it, theaters and production companies don't just jump up and down to do audio description all the time. Sometimes, in fact, they say no, and they say, we don't want to do this. Um, and what we've found certainly down here is that a lot of live theater companies actually get public money from state or local government. Mm -hmm. And you can usually mm -hmm. use the public money that they get to try to persuade them that audio description would be a good idea if they don't want if they don't want to put in jeopardy the money that they're getting. So if, if, so many, Paul's right, many theaters will have, or many nonprofit cultural institutions will have, if they receive federal money, they'll have a Section 504 coordinator, or right. if, they, if they receive um, state money, they call them many different names. But, but, you, but there'll, there'll usually be an ADA coordinator if it has to do with state or local government. You can right. always go through your county and ask to speak to the ADA coordinator and they can probably help you. And didn't, cool. I, didn't I hear many of the cities you mentioned were Canadian cities? No. Well, yeah, they, they're better, but I wanted, I'm on the advocacy board. I, they're trying to implement what to do for the blind and deaf patrons. So I'm trying to help implement for them the best way to do it. Cause I I just lost my sight last year. So for me, live theater's a lot different. So I just wanted to get y'all's perspective. And you guys are so smart and have been doing this longer. And I just wanted to know, like, if, if, what can if, I do to help them? So I would, I would suggest you go to our website, the Audio Description Project website. And on okay. there is a list of the steering committee members. And Within the steering committees, we have different committees, and one is called the Performing Arts Committee. And there's a woman who, by the name of Denise, and I'm, my mind's blanking on her last name right now. Forgive me, Denise, if you're listening. Denise, and she's terrific. She's terrific. So if you go to the ADP website and look for the Performing Arts Chair, reach out to her, and she can maybe work with you and give you some suggestions on how to advocate for audio description of theater in your area. Perfect. You guys are awesome, and I agree with Fox. They're really bad at audio describing. I watched that show, too. Just wanted to say, so have a great night, guys. Oh, good. Thank you, Janine. Appreciate your call, and, and thank you so much for tuning in to us. Mr. Rick. Yes, Judy M., please. Judy M., 
Hi, everybody. This is Judy Matthews from Orlando. Great presentation, super informative, and thank you so much for everything you're doing. Uh, I have two questions. One of them is if, if we've asked for audio description at like a smaller theater that's privately owned maybe and haven't heard anything back, um, what would you suggest as um, kind of a follow-up um, or who would you suggest reaching out to other than like the manager or what have you? And then the, my second question is, where is Amazon with audio description? Okay. So um, Amazon with audio description, you mean Prime Video? Yeah, Prime Video. So they do all their originals, and they actually have quite a bit of a library where they get um, from movie theaters and stuff. They have about 1,800 titles now with audio description of total. They are actually the, the largest streaming service in terms of the number of titles, are they not? Uh, yeah, uh, they are. So, so they, they do quite a bit of audio description. Um, as far as, oh yeah, so take a look at the ADP website, and, and you'll see a, a rather extensive list. Now, the one thing we should say about Amazon, though, is there are two kinds of, there, there are two kinds of audio described things there. One of them comes with Prime. So if you're, if you're a member of Amazon Prime, you can view those for free. But there are others where it doesn't matter if you're an Amazon Prime member or not, you're still going to have to pay to, 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 to look at those. Right, you, you're going to rent or purchase. You can either rent them or purchase to own, but they actually have a fairly extensive catalog. As far as the small theater, was this a theater, like a movie theater that did digital projection? And, and yeah, first, it was first, a movie theater. Mm -hmm. first run. So legally, they're required to provide it if, if provide the equipment anyway. I mean, if the film doesn't come with it, there's nothing you can do with it, but they're required to provide the equipment if the film has it. Um, and that falls under the Department of Justice. I would suggest, though, that you wouldn't... The Department of Justice is rather a slow and burdensome way. So what I would do is actually go to print out the regulations, bring it to management, and say you're in violation of the ADA, or send it or ask who their corporate management is, their corporate headquarters, and go that route, because that, that might and, be quicker. Right, okay. and the regulations are very explicit, Judy. I mean, there, there really is no option for, and, and size is not considered an issue here, and especially in a metropolitan area like the one you're in, they, they, would, they would never get away with, with not doing it. Yeah, the only the only two exceptions are, which is ironic now because of COVID. One is drive-ins, and drive-ins are making a comeback. So drive-ins drive-ins are exempted, and two, if they're still doing reel-to-reel -reel or otherwise analog film, you know they don't have to provide. But nobody's doing analog anymore unless you're like right. a revival our house theater. So um, yep. they should Great. be doing it. Okay. By the way, thank since you, you mentioned. Uh, drive-in theaters, yeah. there's another opportunity for using that smartphone app, huh? Yeah, that's there is. It would be, a, it actually would be a good one. Um, though, though I always had, I always had visions of it coming through on a, on a separate radio channel on your car radio. Yeah, I don't, you would think they would do that, but for whatever reason, drive-in theaters were exempt when those regulations were created. Yep, interesting. Mr. Next. Rick. Phone number 682. Hey, it's Margie. 
Hey, Margie. Ms. Margie how are you doing? Donovan from, from the Audio Description Project Committee. That's right. I consider myself as the audio description queen. I've been successful in five venues out here in the Sacramento Valley. Uh, that wasn't the intent for my call. And with um, the three of you gentlemen, with your permission, I'm happy to put out my email. I'm happy to coach people who are trying to get AD locally. Excellent. That Go for it. So my email address, I will repeat it twice. It's Margie, M-A-R-G-I-E dot Donovan. That's D-Delta-O-N-November-O-V-A-N-1 at Outlook.com. So it's Margie dot Donovan1 at Outlook.com. Happy to help people in getting things moving in their area. Um, Brian, I have to I have to differ with you. None of this is why I called in, but I have to differ with you. Um, our describers sit anywhere from in a makeshift bathroom, <laughs> literally, um, to in a very different room watching everything live on a beautiful camera. Um, and as our describers say, you do what you got to do to get to convey the visual aspects to the clients. And uh, you know, it was I, always as beautiful. I agree. I once had to, to compete in a speech contest in a um, building that was condemned in the men's bathroom using the sink as my podium. And I don't want to tell you where I was sitting. So you there do you what go. you do. <laughs> you do what you got to do. But in best practice, in best practice, being able to, for the describer to see the live performance live and have exactly. had the opportunity to see it multiple times to script it out for themselves, I would say is best practice. And, and I that guess being we should said, say most of the time perfect. audio describers are volunteers, right, Margie? No. No, no, no not no, anymore. No, no, no. Audio describers is a paid profession. Well, Absolutely. I mean, it, it, in, in, in a lot of local... In a lot of local theaters, I think they're volunteers. Well, I think that it started that way, Paul. I, I don't think yeah. that it's uh, gone on much farther than that. I remember going to see um, the Christmas show at Radio City Music Hall. And they had a volunteer describer. And they were very proud that they had this volunteer describer. Now, when yep. you see the Rockettes come out, and the audio describer says, kick left, kick right, kick left, kick right, kick left, kick. Oh, Lord. How much of that are you going to get from a professional describer? How much are you going to care? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I stand corrected. So um, thank you. Continuing on, mm -hmm. there yes. is, um, and we've had, we have the first um, major arena with audio description, the Golden One Center, where the Kings play, um, and many of the shows there and at the Harris Center in Folsom are impromptu describing, and because the show's only there for one night, um, and I've worked closely with Joel to better understand that. And our describers have done a lot of research on the computer. They get there early. They push their way right up to the musicians or whatever the event is. And if you've never seen a concert, audio described, you haven't lived until you do. What oh. we miss is blind people is unbelievable. Uh, Margie. Um, and then, uh-huh. 
Is that at the arena? Because I just got a text from Dan Thorne <laughs> to ask you how you got audio description at the arena. The same way I got it everywhere else. I meet with them. I express the desire. I'm a patron of that particular facility. I educate them. It's usually start by sending a letter to whoever the head honcho is. And um, it takes some negotiation. Sometimes it makes take a little threatening um, of the ADA, but most times it doesn't. It just takes negotiation, and uh, most of these cases, I've gotten them in under a year to be compliant. So just as I did everything else, and the unknown factor would, was how would the um, transmission of the describer be, and don't ask me technology, but I know that I got in touch with Betty over at... Um, National Endowments for the Art, I think she is. Anyway, she told me what kind of devices needed to be used, and it works well. Unfortunately, we had three shows, and then COVID came, and then all of our other shows got canceled. The other thing I wanted to mention, um, which was way back in the beginning of the show, is um, about happen, having an open description. Um, the Sacramento Disability, San Francisco Disability Arts Festival does that annually, and this year there was a Sacramento Disability Arts Festival, and you have the sign language interpreter, you have the audio description live, you have everything going on live that needs to be for access. Excellent. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for thank calling, Miss Margie. Yep. Mr. Rick? Yes, 2994, please. 2994. This is uh, Meryl Schechter from Windsor Mill, Maryland. Hi, guys. And yeah. I appreciate every everything you're doing now um one thing i wanted to say was brian uh, you read my mind because when you said the cvaa needed to have a redress on it i thought of that before you said it but what i'm interested in is because i speak french and spanish fluently just like we had the ratification of the marrakesh treaty with the books um yes i would be very excited if all those materials from other countries, um, you know, if we would have access to them here, and, I, you know, I just love that. I will yep. tell you that a refresh, I think, is was not the intent originally. It was supposed to be an evergreen law, one that simply moved with the times. But okay. nobody here would say they could have guessed the times we find ourselves in right now. Right. Uh, yeah. I remember back in... The, oh, God, it must have been 1985 or 6, there was a reauthorization of the Rehab Act, and I went to Washington, D.C. To, to speak before Congress on it, and I had people very angry at me because I said the Rehab Act needed amending, but that was okay. during, that, who was president back in 85? Uh, uh, Reagan. Reagan, that's right. Yeah, right. And Derwood McDaniel and I had a disagreement. <laughs> he thought mm -hmm. you never ask for a major law to be opened when there's not a friend in the White House. So okay. I'm looking forward to a change in the White House so that yes. we can revisit this without putting it in danger. And, and we do yeah, have... me too. Yes. We do have a precedent. Apple TV Plus, now mind you, that the paid subscription service does currently... All their programming is audio described in nine different languages. Uh, wow, okay. 
So if, you know, including two versions of French and two versions of Spanish, because apparently, for instance, they speak a different version of French in Canada yes. than they do in we, France. Who knew? I yes, did. yes. But, mm-hmm. but um, and there is so, a, a very soon, and the, then I'll let you finish, I'm sorry. Very soon there is a new version of broadcast television that's coming out called Next Gen Television, and that will also allow for multiple audio streams so that we'll be able to separate, say, the Spanish track from the audio description track. Now, whether they take advantage of that and do multiple audio descriptive tracks, who, know, who knows, but the capability will be there even to do that over broadcast television. Oh, thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Meryl. You're welcome. Mr. Rick. Somebody named Kim. Oh, Hi, this is somebody named Kim. And um, I, I have been in and out of this conversation, so I'm not sure if you said, how would you find out if a movie that you have on DVD, for example, is audio described? Is there a symbol? Does it say ADP on there or, or what? Well, so they should be on the back of the box, an AD symbol with sound wave, but that's not always the case. Um, so you could also, if, if you had, you mean if you bought a DVD, you could also go to the Audio Description Project website. We do a, a fairly decent job of announcing most of the DVDs. Lately, we haven't had many to put on there because they weren't described in theater and therefore they don't, transfer over to DVD, but you could also, if, if have someone put the DVD in the DVD player, go into special features and see if there's an audio descriptive track down. Now, that usually takes someone with eyesight. So um, there's, no, there's no, like, accessible way to know unless you either go to our website or, or look at the back of the box or put in the DVD and look for it. Most yeah, of, well, most I, of the I time on the to, ADP website, it's there. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they really do a pretty good job of keeping up to date. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, that's okay, because that's pretty much what I was going to say. I went to the website. I've got it pulled up on my computer right now. And it says they have over 4,000 um, titles. Yeah. And so they should be a I, DVD there. I looked up one and it wasn't there and I was just going alphabetically because that's how I keep my movies organized. And, um, I put in the American president and it was, um, there, but air force one was not. So, okay. All right. I'm sorry to hear yeah. that. <laughs> Thanks, air force one's guys. a good movie. I'm, I'm in too. So, yeah, so I think what you need to do is complain to the air force one people and tell them, tell them, you know, American president is audio described and you're not, so fix it. <laughs> well, I think it, it depends on whether you prefer Michael Douglas playing the president or Harrison Ford. Uh, well, That's a tough one. It is. Thank you, you for now, your call. You can now Thank see you. why Carl's part of the uh, picture this. The guy knows that kind of thing. He will do comparisons till way beyond me. It, beyond it means me. I don't have a life and I watch a lot of TV. This is a, a good thing. Mr. Rick. Yeah, Jeff is back. Jeff is He's back. back. So my uh, second comment I wanted to make is I use an app on the Apple TV called Channels. And yeah. that's, how, that's how I watch local over-the-air television. 
Yep. And and the when I first set it up, the audio description track wasn't going through. So the developer worked with me a little bit and helped me adjust some settings. And so now, uh, if there is an AD track on the over-the-air uh, signal, it comes through the channel's application. But he also said, because I subscribe to a streaming service called uh, Philo TV or Philo Network. Yeah, Philo or Philo, depending yeah. on... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Named so, after the I, inventor of TV, actually. Right, and I use the channel's app to pull in that programming so it's all in one program guide. He told me that they will not pass through the audio description track of, you know, USA Network and Home and Garden TV and blah, blah, blah. And he told me up front, don't look for that because it's not going to be there. So I guess my question is, mechanically, why doesn't, that signal get passed through? I don't know why technically it doesn't. I just know that they're not required to do it. I do think that the capabilities there, for instance, if you look at YouTube TV, which has many of the channels that are required by the CVAA, they do pass it through. So I think it's just a matter of, of um, awareness, to be honest with you. So it's some little frequency that they are choosing to block. No, it, it's it's got to do with whether with whether they they choose to add the audio description files to the to the stuff that they're passing through. Because the audio yeah. description file is a separate file. No, no, it's a separate. In the case of broadcast, it's it, not not just a separate file. It's a separate. It's a separate track altogether. Next. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, so, I, I, I do think, though, that when we're talking about this kind of stuff, it's like um, I might be watching an episode of, uh, of my favorite show, and it's always been audio described, and then one evening it's not described. And I get to scramble to figure out, you know, how to deal with that. And um, call the station manager, complain at that moment. So I would call the people at uh, Philo, Philo, whatever it is, and uh, right. explain to them that you're unhappy as a customer of their service, that they're not passing it through. It does exist. It is passed through by other entities. Right. And you're giving serious thought to changing your allegiance based on this. Yeah, I know. Squeak, squeaky wheel gets the grease, but Indeed. it gets kind of old. Yep. Yeah, well, yep. we've spent all of our lives, haven't we, as blind people having to advocate when others simply take that same thing for granted. And that'll be one of the things if we do do a refresh of the CVA saying, if it's already, if you're already doing the audio description, it should be passed to, right. to whatever app. The deaf community thought to do, the deaf and hard of hearing community thought to do that in the CVAA. They, have, they put in it, if it's ever been captioned for broadcast, it must also follow when it goes to a digital platform. At the time, for whatever reason, whether it be industry was opposed or we were new, the blindness community didn't get the same thing. Thank you guys for all the good work you do for our community. No problem. Thank you, and thanks for calling in, Jeff. You're welcome. Um, Mr. Rick? Yes, Kathy Blackburn, please. Hey, Kathy. From Texas. Hey, Kathy. Hoping when things open again and we can go to the movie theater um, 
when you the ticket buying website like Fandango shows uh, which films have audio description and captioning. There's also a Fandango skill on the uh, Amazon devices, and that skill does not include the audio description uh, information, so you can't ask her to look for. Okay. That's interesting. We we can certainly bring that to Amazon's attention and see if they'll fix it. Yeah, well, it might have to be with Fandango because I'm sure that they. Well, you're I, right. It could could be. I, I know a number of people who are working in the field of making websites successful, <coughs> and one of the biggest groups that we have difficulty with are ticketing entities like a Fandango, where you can buy your ticket in advance of going to the theater, that kind of thing, right? And getting them to give us all of the metadata associated with a given thing. We have the same problem with newspapers printing in their station guides. Right. Whether something's audio described, they'll say, well, the, 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 the network says we put it in there, but the newspaper didn't necessarily print it. Yeah, and I think, I, I think the other thing the other thing is that most of the theater companies now on, on their apps um, actually do include audio description as, as part of their listing. So you can generally find it there, Kathy. Terry's back. Terry's back. Hi. I know. I'm back again. Um, I wanted to ask a question that I forgot the first time, and that is, the soundproof booths, um, where and how does one procure such a thing? And at what kind of a cost? I'm looking to try and um, apply for a grant somewhere. Uh, I'm currently the president of the Metropolitan Washington Ear, and we do a lot of audio description of live performances with uh, both with professional and trained volunteers and I'd love to get them a, a, a soundproof booth. So well, it so happens that my <laughs> that my wife Kim wrote I've met a her. man yes I, I, I think you have uh, wrote a book a pamphlet kind of thing that gives all kinds of resources like that. Um, so I will ask her to send you a copy. Thank you. I would very much appreciate it. No problem. Gets it Thank out of my Gary. basement. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say she's got a booth in the man cave or something. I thought you were going to say. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where she puts Brian at night. <laughs> no, no, no. Brian lived with three ladies. He needs the soundproof booth for them. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm going to get in trouble for that now. Yeah, be careful. You be are. careful. Yeah. Mr. Careful. Judy M is back. Judy. <laughs> Judy Matthews. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Uh, Hi. I forgot to ask earlier um, about on-demand content. So, like, if we miss a show and we have to go back and try to catch it, um, it, it doesn't have audio description. And I uh, don't know if there was something we could do about that. or. You mean, like, if you want something on like comp? Comcast, and then you went to the on-demand section, that sort of thing? Yeah, like if we were going to watch something on ABC and we missed the show um, and we wanted to catch it later, um, whether we okay. use, like, the, we have Spectrum, so whether we try to use the Spectrum app or um, if we used um, 
like the ABC app? Well, or? The, the ABC app actually does do it. Most of them do not. NBC, CBS, they, they, they do not. But the ABC app actually does do audio description with on-demand. Now, is, is that fun, new? Is that, no, yeah. that, it, it's hmm. been out there for a, a year or two. As far as the, like, Spectrum or Comcast or any of the cable services and their on-demand, it depends. So I'm going to say yes and no. This goes to what Brian was going to mention earlier. The on-demand content may have ads and different things of their own, which screws up the timing. So sometimes they don't do the audio description and on-demand. Um, and so that it's hit or miss. And that, so I don't really have a good answer for you. Sometimes yes, more often no. Would it be accurate? Would it be accurate, Carl, to say that Comcast does a better job of moving their audio description channels to on-demand than the other services do? I, 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 I think so. I'm no longer, I'm a cord cutter, so I can't really. Right. But, but given that we have friends at Comcast, that's probably the case. Brian, the Comcast, yeah. though I'd let him answer that. I believe that they Brian? do. They do a, yeah. a, one of the best jobs. Uh, yeah. Everything's a moving target, though. You know, <laughs> last week is not like this week. Uh, <laughs> Keeps, and and it it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big issue, Judy, for, for a lot of us. Um, and and uh, I, I, I know I, I have DirecTV and they do, they, they essentially never transport. So it's, mm -hmm. it's very disheartening. Carl, the other day we were talking about a service where if you DVR'd a show that was audio described, you could get the DVR just fine, but the DVR wasn't recording audio description. Right. So that was YouTube. Oh, man. That was YouTube TV. So what that what YouTube TV does is if you watch it live, the audio description's there. But if you don't watch it live and you record it, what they do is they only have they don't let's say they have a million customers and a million people recorded it. They don't want to have the storage space for a million different recordings. So what they'll do is they'll keep one master recording of that show that everybody pulls down. And so and that show doesn't have the audio description track on it. Because they're assuming most of the folks that recorded it are not I, I don't but did that make sense? They're not keeping a copy for everybody that recorded it. They're keeping one copy for everybody to pull from. Mm. You, know, you know what I mean? Got so, it. Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah. You know, so that's something that, and Google is a big company, so that's something we need to bring to their attention. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, there, there, there have been shows where uh, we'll try to watch them, to catch them like on Hulu, um, and they have audio description. Like I'm thinking of 911. Um, so if you watch it on Fox, then it's described, but we couldn't, um, have the, the, uh, Hulu didn't work with the description. It was weird. Well, and that goes to what we were talking about earlier, the track, the file needs to follow the show, no matter where it goes. Mm -hmm. That's what we want to happen, but there's no legal right. obligation that it do so. Yeah. Right. And, and, and actually we're very lucky to have as much as we have, frankly, we have, we have no right I mean, we, we have gone from from zero to 3,000 in, in, in three or four years, which is really pretty amazing, especially when there's no legal obligation for these guys to do it. Whereas the, the stuff you're talking about with regard to broadcast television and on-demand stuff, 
I, I think we, we have the right to be a little more pushy, and I hope we are. Mm-hmm. Again, one of the things that we try to deal with is, as Carl said early, these services are in a constant state of change. Uh, huge, you know, we went out and s- spoke with Netflix. They were virtually the only game in town. Then we worked a bit with Amazon and now you've got all that content. And then we worked with, and then a new one popped and then another. Mm-hmm. And it takes a year to negotiate some kind of arrangement. This does not happen overnight. And with them all popping up faster than we can solve their accessibility issues, we kind of are looking forward to the day when this whole universe settles down a little bit. And I I believe from a company perspective, they are going to settle down and there's going to be some companies buying up other companies and we'll have uh, at the most a half a dozen companies that we interact with. So you might, you know, just... You go to a grocery store and you see all those choices of bread on the aisle. There are four companies that bake all that bread. Might have different brands. They're all from four companies. And the same thing is getting close to that right. in this field as you're well. You're breaking my heart, Brian. You're also going to see. You're also going to see cable companies and broadcast companies becoming more like streaming services. Mm-hmm. Yes. Of, so, so I mean, that's why, let's be honest, that's why Comcast is launching Peacock, because they're going to slowly get out of the cable business as people cord cut, you know? So they're yep. going to become a streaming service, and that's what's going to happen to a lot of the cable companies. And eventually, I mean, the network will be broadcasting for a long time because that's government-run, but um, you're going to see a, a change in the model of how business is done. I know we're coming to nine o'clock, so I want to put in one yep. more plug for Brian and, 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 and the show that we're doing on audio description called Picture This. Um, with, so please download it on whatever podcatcher you use of your choice. That's right. So it's Picture This uh, when you type it into the search component of your podcatcher. Include the words Picture This and Carl Richardson. So I'd like to thank both of you for being a part of Tuesday Topics. Thank you very much. I suspect you guys may be back when you when you do some more exciting things. In the meantime, I want to remind everybody that next week we're going to be talking about deafness and deaf blindness issues. Deborah Kendrick will be here to talk about her new book, and we'll also talk a little bit about Sassy. And if you don't know what that is, tune in to find out. And I am the Thank co-chair so of Sassy, in case you didn't know that. Well, then maybe you should come back next week. I might have to do that. So, thanks very much to everyone. Tuesday Topics is always glad to have folks. Remember, seeing is believing unless you can't. Good night. <laughs>